0: Section 22 of Criminal Investigation, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cheryl Holmes, M.D. Criminal Investigation, a Practical Handbook for Magistrates, Police Officers, and Lawyers, Volume 3. By Hans Goss. Translated by John Adam and John Collier Adam cheating and fraud continued the forgery of seals of all descriptions is so extensive as to deserve special study most commonly the seals forged are those of local authorities whose duty it is to attest the certificates given by employers to their workmen and also for criminal purposes to imitate the seals and stamps used in public offices and large works such as railways mines etc in India As everyone acquainted with criminal cases knows, a very general system of forgery is believed to exist with reference to postal stamps upon envelopes and postcards. There is hardly a criminal case in which an alibi is urged as a defense that the alibi is not supported by documents alleged to have been sent by the accused from some distant place on the date of the events. The most usual medium is the postcard because it contains in itself the marks of despatch and delivery as well as the address and the communication. It is commonly said, and one's experience tempts one to believe, that copies of the date stamps of any post office in India may be obtained at a very small price. Of course, by collusion with post office officials, genuine stamps may be used for the purpose, but it is probable that in the majority of cases specially constructed stamps are employed, and the careless way in which post office clerks usually affix the stamps assists in making this kind of fraud successful. In a recent appeal heard in the Madras High Court from South Canara, among the material objects in evidence were two postal stamps, one showing despatch from a certain office on a certain date, the other receipt at another office two days later, the normal time. These stamps had no relevant connection with the case being in fact dated eighteen ninety six ten years previously, but the circumstances showed that their possession was not thought extraordinary by anyone. The author has collected a considerable number of seals and stamps, about one hundred in all, lodged in the Graz Criminal Museum. found on the persons of various criminals at the time of their arrest and by a comparison of these it is possible to obtain an idea of the way in which they are made and employed this collection of seals affords more than one useful hint what strikes one first is the international character of this class of forgery the stamps although collected in a comparatively small magisterial area nevertheless bear the names of officials of all countries It appears even as if the forger prefers the most distant countries, hoping that inquiries made there will be more difficult. For the same object, he generally chooses names well-known everywhere as Simla, Karachi, Rangoon, Madura, etc., so that he can always pretend, if the answer is unfavorable, that the letter has not been sent to the real place bearing the same name. One finds also stamps such as the following. Muller, Manufacturer of Hardware, St. John or of Newville, or Madra paper-mill etc of course these stamps the manufacture of which requires a great deal of trouble are not intended to be used only once on the contrary they afford for those who possess them a very considerable income a tramp who possesses several or even one of these seals and who can write a fairly good hand gains much more in this way than by simple begging At the same time, he does not neglect, meeting either by agreement or by chance, an individual who has not possessed for a long time the certificate of work, true or false, skillfully to draw the conversation to the hardships of life, the want of work, the police, and such disagreeable memories. This soon unties the tongue of the other man. When the intimacy has become greater, the tramp tells what he is up to, and soon after, his comrade is in possession of a certificate of work fortified by a seal and a stamp. Of course, the giving of the certificate is well paid for, and it is this payment, as well as the danger to which their industry exposes them, that leads the forgers to conceal so carefully their precious stock in trade. Generally, they hide them in the back of the collar of their coat, in the lining of their boots, or in the hem at the bottom of their trousers. We even find, now and then, such seals possessing on the edge loops, For the purpose of being sewn on. Nothing is more easy than to procure ink for the stamps. Very thick black ink, carriage grease, boot polish, or even the real color of the stamp in the shape of anil and violet. Coal tar, tan and black, diluted in glycerin and water may all be used the tramp with the real stamp-collar in his possession invariably conceals it in a small boot-polished tin of which the label is carefully preserved so as to prevent suspicion we have often been surprised to find in the collection of curiosities of a tramp whose boots red with age could not have been blacked for months a box bearing the inscription real brilliant boot-polish free from oil of vitriol If one had only looked a little closer, the boot polish would have been found to be nothing else but stamping, and one or more cleverly constructed seals would have been found on his person. When it is remembered that the author's collection of seals and stamps is but of recent date, that the district whence it has been collected is very restricted, and that in spite of all, about one hundred have been obtained, one can form some idea of the vast number of false seals in circulation and the still greater number of false certificates for with each seal several certificates can be manufactured which daily pass through the hands of the public and to credulous eyes appear authentic documents a sentiment of shame however disagreeable ought to overwhelm us at the thought of the epithets these vagabonds must in their inmost thoughts bestow on us when we return them their books found in order when there is not perhaps a single authentic attestation in the whole of them such a state of things should by every means be put a stop to for the danger is certainly greater than is generally supposed false certificates and stamps or seals are the great support of that cancer of society vagabonds and tramps for nothing helps them more than being able to obtain with ease and safety proof that they are really working men The true tramp, who becomes so only from his hatred of work and love of idleness, remains a tramp, pure and simple, only until necessity compels him to be a criminal, and thus everything that helps the manufacture of tramps goes to make a true school for criminals. Besides, false certificates do not only help the wayfarer in escaping the penalties of being a tramp or vagabond, but assist him directly in the commission of crime. They help, and have helped only too often to obtain a man a situation which he applies for only with the object of committing some crime and which is given him on the strength of characters testifying that he has previously occupied a similar position and has given satisfaction further false certificates are useful and perhaps most frequently employed to prove an alibi for the person in whose possession they are found When a bona fide criminal has committed a crime, and has succeeded for a time in escaping from the researches of the local police, his first business is to procure a workman's certificate covering the dangerous period, which naturally names localities far enough away from the scene of the crime. If he is arrested on suspicion, he boldly presents his certificates, and many magistrates are foolish enough to accept them as gospel. As for the investigating officer, his duty is to subject the documents to a rigorous examination and, whenever his suspicions are aroused, to make inquiries of the establishment or household where the individual is supposed to have worked no matter how long it may be necessary to keep the latter under remand. Suspicion is always based on strong grounds. The first and most important is that we have to deal with a true tramp, incapable of deserving a certificate testifying that he is a faithful hard-working and honest workman now one can always recognize a tramp when one has had under observation a considerable number of genuine specimens paying special attention to their appearance and behavior the way they present themselves their gait their external aspect their hands showing no traces of hard work All the indescribable but characteristic atmosphere that involves the brotherhood give them a demeanor so precise and so striking that it is impossible to confound the true tramp with a poor devil who owing to bad times has been really long out of work once suspicion has become certainty and one is convinced that a real vagabond is caught the first thing is to search him to see if perchance he has any stamps or seals concealed on his person and, next, to make inquiries at all the places mentioned in his character books, so as to verify the authenticity of his certificates. Suspicion also attaches to certificates in which the employments are very dissimilar, and the places at which the work has been done are far apart. This means that the vagabond cannot choose a certificate for any particular work or at any particular place. He has to be content with what the forger who helps him is able to supply him with that is, with what is engraved on the seal possessed by that person. It results that the same individual appears to have worked most satisfactorily in January as a butcher in the North, in February as a miner 100 miles away in the South, in March as a postmaker in some other place, and in April he is back again in the North employed as an iron worker it doubtless often happens that a workman is obliged, especially in hard times, to work at a number of different trades which are, so to speak, strange to him. But yet, there is a certain correlation between these various trades, and, moreover, it is indispensable that the places where the pretended workman has stayed have a sort of connection with our another, and, when considered connectedly, form an itinerary in some shape or other. The simplest means of laying bare this fraud is to make a list of all the places mentioned, with the time the workman says he was at each, and then to trace out his movements on the map. This route will generally be only a series of detours and zigzags. The man is then made to relate the whole of his journey by heart. If he has really made it, he is able to relate it. If he has not done so, he will never be able to do so. This we can affirm from long experience this method requires but about half an hour's work gives absolutely no trouble and often brings the vagabond to confess when he sees that the matter is going to be gone into seriously and that he is likely to be kept in custody a considerable time while a correspondence is carried on in which the end is bound to bring about his conviction the fact that a seal is badly or defectively made or even mistakes in lettering such as a letter being turned the wrong way, for example, upside down N for right side up N, or upside down S for right side up S, is not sufficient proof of falsification, for many false seals are much better made than the seals of many provincial municipalities. A seal is always awkward when there is only the name of small municipality without other precise designation. A distinction must here be drawn When the mayor of Little Pedlington orders a new municipal seal, he does not order the engraver to add the name of the county, for he supposes that everybody knows Little Pedlington. So, if a municipal seal of a town with a rare name contains nothing else but that name, that is no reason for suspecting its authenticity. It is different, however, if the name of the place is a common one. The mayor of Newport is well aware of the trouble caused by the confusion in the post and otherwise of his Newport with other Newports, and he knows that the higher authorities require a more particular description of his Newport. When, therefore, he has a new seal engraved, he takes care to add thereto, if not the name of the kingdom or country, at least some characteristic designation as, for example, Newport Monmouthshire, or Newport Isle of Wight, etc. Such a seal may be considered a genuine one, but it may be considered counterfeit when it has only the word Newport, the more so if the owner of the certificate does not know which Newport. The falsification of a certificate is recognizable as well by the writing as by the spelling. It often happens that the signature of the employer is in the same handwriting as that of the legislation of the authorities, or that one of them being forged arouses suspicion. Nothing is commoner than for a master workman who countersigns a certificate as the mayor of the town or, in India, as a village munsif or municipal president to write with a very heavy hand and make mistakes in spelling. But. It would be very suspicious if the chief clerk of a big business or an important municipality signed in such a manner. Spelling mistakes are especially common in forged certificates of large establishments, probably because their stamps have the preference owing to their pompous and, for that reason, more convincing aspect. If, therefore, we find that a stamp about as long as one's finger which reads, for example, Office of the Secretary to the Amalgamated Societies of Calico Printers of Great Britain and Ireland is placed below a badly written and badly spelled certificate signed by the General Manager and countersigned by the Joint Cashier. The whole document is false, however well the stamp may be counterfeited. The immediate detection of false employment certificates is greatly facilitated by what are called beggar stamps in use in many places and affixed to the last page of the character books of people who have received help on their journey. These stamps usually carry an arrangement for changing the date and as a rule are made of rubber. They are very cheap and have ordinarily a date and inscription as follows, assisted at x dot 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 v dot 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 dot, dot, dot. 19, zero, dot, dot, dot. These character books have, as a rule, many such impressions, and when the owner forges a certificate of having worked for a certain time at a certain place, it often happens that there is a stamp under the same date in his book. The consequence is that he was working at X, dot, 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 at the very same time he was begging at Y, dot, 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 It is a fact within the experience of the author that the falsity of a certificate has, on several occasions, been detected in this way. If we consider for a moment the fabrication of false seals, we will find that they constitute, from all points of view, an extremely varied series. As regards their origin, we find them in all continental countries, and we often find seals of other countries in our own. In Germany, for instance, French and Russian seals are common, the latter probably are preferred because few persons are capable of reading the Russian characters, and those who can are unable, as a rule, to find out the names of the authorities to be written to. But the largest number of seals are, as we have already stated, without mention of a country, the counterfeiter having been careful to omit any description capable of determining the situation of the place in question. As regards the authorities from whom the seals emanate, they are naturally those whose business it is to give certificates of work, such as municipalities, the police department, sheriff's offices, collectors' offices, etc. It is only exceptionally that we find the seals of law courts, which are, as a rule, placed on certificates attesting that an individual has been employed in a court, as copying clerk, peon, or in some other such capacity. Besides these official seals must be mentioned the stamps of various associations, trusts, and other big concerns such as factories, mines, foundries, agricultural associations, companies, etc. The materials of which the type or letterpress of false seals are made are also very diverse. Those least often found are metals, from which it may be supposed that forgers are rarely engravers by trade, for the latter would find no difficulty in fashioning the metal we find on the contrary that the counterfeiters avoid metals as much as possible relatively speaking lead is the most frequently employed care being taken to add thereto a certain quantity of zinc or tin to render it more durable wood is commoner than metal in particular lime wood ivy wood box wood and sometimes also lighter woods which are easier to cut but the material most frequently employed is steatite French chalk, such as used by tailors, which on account of its softness, is easily cut. Forgers may doubtless object to it on account of its great friability, for strong pressure easily breaks the letters. A material largely employed for making false seals is common slate. Its frequent employment in the construction of school slates and in the roofing of houses places it at everyone's disposal and its consistency though soft enough to enable it to be worked with ease is at the same time sufficiently hard to prevent the letters being spoiled by strong pressure the grain of the stone is uniform and faultless a very important factor the portion on which the seals are engraved may be made very thin thus enabling large numbers of them to be conveniently hidden away The manner of their manufacture is extremely primitive at least when the work is done by people who are self-taught in the art of engraving the author has in his collection two seals cut in slate which were seized in an unfinished condition upon two tramps from which it is easy to see especially with the aid of a magnifying glass how the forger has set to work these can be examined with greater ease For in each case, the engraving tool used was also found upon the person of the tramp. This tool consists of an ordinary sewing needle, the eye of which is embedded in the longitudinal section of a small piece of wood about the size of a pencil, which forms the handle of the instrument. The examination of other false seals seems to indicate that it is always this instrument which is used by seal forgers, for it is easy to determine that the sunk portions of all the plaques are scraped with a needle the way in which these seals are made appears to be as follows the necessary divisions such as those base lines which are curved in shape are first of all traced with compasses which besides the engraving tool is the only instrument employed then the isolated letters ornamentations figures etc are drawn in and little by little the whole of the space between the letters etc is scraped out the needle no doubt detaches but very small particles of the stone at a time but then, there is no fear that such a delicate instrument will detach too large a portion and damage one of the letters. Experiments made by the author have convinced him that, given sufficient patience in learning, this work may be executed rapidly and easily. It is said that prisoners practice it to pass away the time in prison, where a needle and a piece of slate may be easily introduced. Nor is it only people moving about on the highway who handle false seals. The daily papers reported a short time ago the case of a rich man, a master butcher in Berlin, who had obtained a duplicate of the stamps of the inspector of butcher's meat, and stamped the goods himself. When one remembers that the examination of every pig in the cattle yard costs a mark, and that the man sold each week, on an average, 200 pigs to the butcher's shops and butcher's market, it will be seen that his fraudulent gain, letting only one half of his pigs be examined, was about 400 marks a month. It remains to speak of the means by which this dangerous trade can be fought. The best remedy certainly consists in not being too credulous, in having no fear of taking trouble, and in making the most minute investigation on every occasion when the least suspicion arises of the authenticity of a document. Another excellent expedient is to publish every known case of counterfeiting of this description in the papers and police gazettes. As each false seal is used more than once, and as a large number of books contain it, all attestations made with the same seal are of necessity false, when a single one of them is false. Once it has been proved, for example, that the seal of the CORPORATION OF MADRAS has been falsified, the papers should be informed of the fact with a description of the false seal. Information, such as the following, should be sent by the investigating officer. Fabricated, the seal of the MADRAS CORPORATION. The fabrication is oval-shaped, one and five-eighths of an inch long, one and three-eighths of an inch broad, well-made. If the municipality whose name appears on the seal really exists an impression of the genuine seal should be first obtained and a description of it added to the announcement in the above case for instance we should add the real seal besides bears such and such an inscription and is quite round if care be taken to make this publication in every case and if it is sufficiently well circulated In a short time, not only will all the impressions made with the seal be discovered, but opportunities will, at the same time, be given to unmask a mass of other false seals and stamps. The character book of a workman containing one manifestly false attestation most often contains several others. An honest workman is ashamed to make use of a false certificate, even when perchance he has been for some time out of work. It is a professional vagabond, who usually has recourse to such expedients, and such a person is never content with a single false attestation. After some time, he wants another, so that generally when a false certificate has been discovered in his book, one will do well to distrust all the others in it. If verified from the point of view of their genuineness, some fresh falsification will probably be found, which when published in its turn, Will seldom fail to bring about further revelations, so that a single discovery will multiply in a sort of geometrical progression. Such disclosures will only produce their proper effect if each case is punished with the severity deserved by such practices, the dangers of which cannot be exaggerated. The painstaking book of Franz Wöhmen gives substantial assistance in the identification of false seals, For in it, we find alphabetically arranged the facsimiles of a great number of official seals belonging to all sorts of authorities. If we have a suspicion about a seal, we have simply to make a comparison to obtain a rapid proof of genuineness or falseness. Naturally, such a book must be always kept up to date, every new seal struck being inserted from time to time. But the most radical means of preventing such falsifications is outside the sphere of an investigating officer and will only be mentioned here to round off the subject. It consists in public offices seeing that their seals and stamps are really good and difficult to imitate. Anyone who has seen a number of seals cannot deny that not only the greater number of the seals of the smaller municipalities, but also those of more important bodies, are so miserably executed that one would think they have come out of the hands of a botcher on the other hand the majority of false seals are so well made that they would serve as models for the former doubtless the result would be of little value if the authorities are content with the mere order that all offices should have artistic seals for the execution of such an order could not be properly checked the only reform possible would be for the state to monopolize so to speak the production of seals making them itself and sending them direct to the authorities requiring them they might then be put upon the same footing as coin with the same penalties for counterfeiting whoever has had an opportunity of seeing a large number of false seals document stamps or banknotes etc must know that a clever forger finds practically no difficulty in imitating artistically decorated letters with ornamentation and interlacing lines etc But there are certain things he is never able to copy, for instance, human figures, and, in particular, the face and hands. This especially applies to banknotes. Everything is admirably done, with the exception of the faces and hands of the persons or allegorical figures, etc., which are so badly executed that the work of the forger is immediately recognizable. If the seals are made by the state, they should contain such figures. The seal should be made as large as possible, for there's always enough room on an office table, and, if the impression covers part of the writing on a document, no harm is done, rather the reverse. The larger the seal, the more artistical it may be made, and, in consequence, the more difficult to imitate. That which under no circumstances ought to be any longer tolerated is the use of the present universal India rubber stamp or seal, which can be used only with aniline colors. If we bring an india rubber stamp in conjunction with oil colors, the india rubber becomes sticky and smudgy, and is spoiled in a short time, as oil relaxes the india rubber. The impressions made by such stamps are easily copied. Press a fresh and well-inked stamp upon an elastic, thick, half-damp substance as, for example, an apple cut in two half of a potato, the white of a hard-boiled egg, half dry glue, etc. One obtains a clear negative copy of the seal, which is particularly good when one has previously damped the substance slightly with spirit. If one now prints the negative copy from the white of egg, apple, etc. on damped paper, one obtains a faultless reproduction of the true print of the seal, and there is said to be no means of proving its spuriousness. A second and a third copy may be taken, although fainter. How dangerous, however, is this simple yet widely known means of reproducing seals need not be pointed out. There remains no alternative but to banish the india rubber seal from all offices and return to the old brass seal with oil colors. End of section 22. Recording by Cheryl Holmes, M.D.